Yes, we can. Hiya, it's Mandy from the office. Hi. How are you doing? Sounds like you've called in sick again. Yeah, yeah, just, I need a mental health day, to be honest, so... Uh, something happened, are you alright, or? Gotta be honest with you, Rachel, you don't really sound like you're real. Oh my God. Um, and, and this is, uh, this is a few times now, and we do need people to show up to work. And it's all right, redistribution party. Welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. My name is Jack Lewis Evans. And my name is Sean Morley. Today's episode is about goblin mode, burnout, and hashtag self-care. Have you ever gone goblin mode? I'm not a goblin. I, I never said you were a goblin. Great, I'm not a goblin. I'm not a goblin. Okay, Cheers. well, it's just that you're acting very weird. If you want to support it's... our work creating this podcast, please share this episode on social media, leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app, or perhaps etch a QR code into the walls of your cave. And if you want to place a gemstone into our tiny clawed hands, you can do so on patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party and be led into our subterranean city of audio trinkets. <laughs> oh, hang on. Who are these guys? Uh, Jack, the, are these goblins? These are my friends. They're just my mates. We do FPV drone racing. Okay, well, I don't know what that is. And there's goblins. I well, think they're goblins. FPV stands for sort of first person view. And then drone racing is exactly what it's okay. So you pilot drones, just a little sort of flying mechanical oh. thing. It's got a camera in it. And you wear like a okay. VR headset. Yeah. And it's like you are the drone. Yeah, okay. I, uh, Jack, they're, they're picking me up. They're lifting. This is the iFlight Nazgul 5. Okay, listen. Um, they're, the they're, Max Tiny Jack, they're feeding me a potion. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, it's, it's really good fun. I think you'll really like it, Sean. Jack, Jack, I'm turning into a drone. Come on, boys. Let's race. I'm a drone now. I'm a goblin. I'm a goblin. What do you think a goblin is? That's quite a big question, actually. What do you think huge, a it? goblin is? What, I think, what is a goblin I, to you? I, I think it's a little... <laughs> I think it's little... Yeah. I think it's mischievous. Yeah, naughty. It's not evil. Yeah. But it's naughty. And it lives in the dark, in the dank. It lives in a cave. Yeah. Or a dungeon. Yeah. Or a crypt. What about like a dark bit of woods? What about a nightclub? would have to be an abandoned nightclub. It wouldn't like it when all the music is on. Yeah, yeah. It would just go to the loos or something, yeah, or the vents. Yeah. yeah, it would be in the... <laughs> it would go to the, the cloakroom. <laughs> yeah, it would run the cloakroom. Yeah, it would be in your coats. Yeah. Little guy, naughty, likes to hide. Hi, sneaky. Subterranean little... Yeah, it's definitely subterranean. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I can imagine a like, goblin that's in a loft. And what do you think it means for a human mm. to go goblin mode? Um, it is to mimic the goblin 
to shadow dwell, to, do, mm-hmm. to dwell inside. To hide to, and to lurk. Hide, to hide and lurk. It is to do things society would deem <laughs> naughty and mischievous. Yeah, but not savory. evil. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe kind of gross. I guess a goblin's kind of gross as well. Maybe we haven't said that. I think goblins probably aren't gross to each other. Goblin to human sensibilities is kind of gross. So a human going goblin mode. Yeah. Mm. I guess because like if we see a lion or something, we're like, that's that's a lion. So I'm not going to judge a lion's hygiene. But Uh, if there was something that was humanoid, but it lives in a cave (laughs) or it lives in the vent, you know, or it lives just in an... Yeah. Just in a bit of rocks, <laughs> and I, I see that. And as a person, that that guy looks kind of dirty, yeah, <laughs> because you live in a cave, yeah, in an abandoned mine shaft. <laughs> <laughs> to me, you'd think you should clean. The thing, do you know what I think of when I think of goblin mode? Uh, Slavoj Zizek. How do you say Slavoj Zizek? Yeah, Slavoj Zizek. I, I don't know. Zizek. Zizek. That you know, we know who I mean. The guy. Zizek eating. <laughs> To that video of him eating two hot dogs. I think the video is called Zizek Devours Hot Dogs. And it's, mm. <laughs> it's like what Zizek. I think he's in like New York and he's got a hot dog in each hand. He's dual wielding. He takes a bite from one hot dog and he takes a bite from the other hot dog. He doesn't stop moving. And on his left hand is dangling because he's got the hot dogs actually in his grips. He's dangling mm. off his hand a carrier bag that in my head's got like monster energies in it or something. A monster energy and two tinnies. <laughs> yeah, he's going to mix Those it. little, do you know those little multi-pack of lagers that are in yeah. these tiny bottles? He's got three of those loose. He, that Zizek <laughs> video is like, to me, I'm like, that's Goblin. Living for no one else but himself. It would fall truly within the purview of Goblin mode if he was doing that while walking around an empty travel lodge at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because he's outside <laughs> in the public. Yeah, that's something about that. Because Goblin mode is supposed to be transient, right? You can't sustain Goblin mode because you're a human. So you need to you turn it You can't it sustain it or you're not allowed to sustain it. <laughs> you know, I can't become permanent goblin. But because then it would just become human mode. A difference. Not, a different not if only a small group of people are in goblin mode. I'm not saying the whole human race is in goblin mode. The, the length to which you can sustain goblin mode can either You need be, a funder. Yeah, yeah. you need, you need, you need an OnlyFans <laughs> yeah. for your goblin you can sa- Or you just save up and have yeah. a goblin retirement. Yeah, yeah, mini <laughs> retirement. Or like fishermen. Huh? Well, a lot, of, a lot of boating jobs, yeah. they involve months on, months off. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah, are yeah. gone so long when you come back to shore. Fisherman's kind of goblin mode, though, actually. Maybe a fisherman's as closest to goblin mode you can get. But for me, if, if I was like, oh, I'm going goblin mode, I don't think if I, I would consciously think that. It'd be like playing Elden Ring mm. for 16 hours and only eating flaming hot monster munch. I don't know how old the term is. I feel like it's like less than a year since it just entered into general parlance. We've been saying goblin for ages because Tim Rogers, the video games journalist, says it. Yeah, and I don't always really know what he means by no, it. No, no, no. I think he thinks it's a funny word, funny creature. Here's like my long view mm. <laughs> folk etymology of yeah. the, the rise of the goblin. Is that I think for a long rise time? Of the go- <laughs> well, for a long time, <laughs> it's the rise of the goblin, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. My folk etymology of the modern tired goblin <laughs> is that for ages everyone's been obsessed with like talking about everything in terms of it being diminutive and cute. Everything's been like a small bean and a tired little guy, just a little guy, small bean. <laughs> 
little the snake is a little <laughs> snack. You know, everything's just a little cute thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and everyone's just learned how to like talk in this baby speak of everything being cute and tired and a little cute tired little thing eating a little thing and slowly over time people like goblin mode is much more menacing than baby do you know mode. what i mean it's, it's like it's become like distorted it's, it's distorted from yeah. that it's like yeah i'm a little guy and i'm tired but i'm not cute yeah. <laughs> i'm weird and i'm underground and i stink and i'm strange you can't understand me i'm laughing at a high-pitched voice i'm scurrying around i can move on to all fours and onto my hind legs effortlessly switching between the two i am tired and I am online, but I'm not like you. I'm wrong. <laughs> a trolls are like a mythical creature, like a goblin. Well, my understanding is that the original etymology of trolling, as in like online, comes from fishing. We're back with fishermen. We're back fishing. Trolling was a variant of something that trolling and trawling and something like that. It's a way of putting out a lure. Bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not so to make them angry. It could just be to trick them. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, it's one of those... I tell you what, where you're just trying to confuse It's and quite trick. mischievous and naughty. That is a, the original Goblin mode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Second troll wave. It's just, we're going to keep importing different mythical creatures. Yeah, tw- 2033 describe... basilisk mode. Yeah, wyvern transformation. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'll be with you later. I've gone into greater basilisk. <laughs> <laughs> but everything I read about Goblin mode, it's like... Okay, I'm I'm not going out today. I'm just just staying indoors, and I'm just going to stay in my pajamas and just eat simple food. And that's called rest, isn't it? That's rest. I, I the thing I think there's a, a more aggro edge to goblin mode. I also have that problem with like self care, you know, mm. like that whole thing. Like I guess I think I think self care. The original idea was a big notion among like Black American radicals in the '60s and '70s. Like it was a Black Panther thing. And all yeah. that stuff, like um, I think Angela Davis did sort of stuff like meditate in, in prison and, and stuff like that. Uh, but then it kind of just got super co-opted to what it is now, which is like it's commodified rest. They, they basically were like, oh, let's just make consumption self-care. So purchasing a thing you like is self-care. I've bought this Funko Pop. Hashtag self-care. Goblin mode is to an extent a rejection of that. Because self-care is like rest to rejuvenate yourself so you can go back to work. Hmm. Goblin mode is much more, has a level of like, fuck it. Self-care has a sort of aesthetic, like Marie Kondo, um, cottagecore self-improvement bullshit. Goblin mode is like, I'm not improving myself. I am making myself worse. Mm. Like I am not having a smoothie. If I'm putting anything in a blender, it's Doritos to turn Doritos into a garnish. This cuts to like one of my big questions about goblin mode, because I started using it to describe, you know, I do goblin mode. I would. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't always (laughs) do it voluntarily. Goblin mode is forced upon you. Well, because the the conditions we're describing about, about not doing anything, Mm. they can happen because you're, Burn because out. you've decided to go fuck it, or you just happen because you've burnt yourself to a little yeah, crisp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a nice and not um, dramatic, it was like an undramatic shorthand <laughs> to say, I've overdone it. Yeah. I need some quiet time. Goodbye. I'll see you in a bit. And so when I'm ta- reading about Goblin Mode, the thing I can't get generally is whether people are opting into it or whether people have become goblinized. Are they goblinized or are they goblinizing <laughs> themselves? The way you're talking about rest and rejuvenation, the way I think about what's happened with them, because obviously overwork is a real thing and there's like real stats to 
describe mm-hmm. what overwork is doing to the population in terms of stress and mental health that people have entered into like way more of like not just I go to work and then I rest and that sustains me for the next day. I think people are starting to work way more in like boom and bust cycles Mm. of like I'm working unsustainably and eventually shit will hit the wall and then I can't do anything and then I'll have to recover from that and then we'll just start again. And goblin mode I think happens when you hit a bust of some kind and what you need to do in terms of rest is like way more profound than just having a walk and eating a salad. And, you know, you need to do nothing for a while. There's the goblin mode you choose and there's the goblin that chooses you. I started saying the good goblin and the bad goblin. (laughs) There's the good goblin and the bad goblin. (laughs) Right? Because if you're working in a boom and bust cycle and loads of people are, I mean, what was it? It It was like... 880,000 people between 2020 and 2021 had work-related mental health conditions, the greatest cause of which is workload. Mm. So, like, people are working. I mean, I know I've got – I'm diagnosed with autism, so Mm. obviously my experience of this would be a bit different, but I think people um, working in a boom and bust cycle of working too hard and hitting a wall is increasingly universal. And so I think there are two goblin modes. Mm. There's the goblin you can choose to be, and the goblin that you were turned into. I, I think there's a lot of people who you know, their body's trying to trying to make goblin mode happen and they literally mm. can't because they just have to pay the gas bill. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I think the ultimate goblin is when you have to go into an institution for a bit. As goblin. That's like the big goblin. That's the yeah, goblin yeah. boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the goblin king. Because <laughs> it's fucked, isn't it? Because you can't, you can't say to an employer... I'm fucked. Because mm, I, I was just like, oh, well, actually, you're not right for the team then. <laughs> See you I later. I watched a TikTok of this. Yeah. There's a woman who's ringing in saying, my mental health's fucked. Mm. And the person on the other end is going, well, you've taken a few sick days. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm having a real hard time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I can't come in. And they're like, well, it's other people's going to have to do the work and it doesn't. this isn't on. And you don't sound like you're having problems. And I mean, I don't know. Oh my I wonder God. what they're supposed to sound like, but it's like. That's classic HR. Mm, but if you're like stressed and anxious, how would that come through in your voice? I, I have real burnout problems mm. just, and I don't know what to do about it really, because I have to earn enough money to live. But one thing I have thought is if I know that I'm working unsustainably and I will eventually hit a wall and that wall will mean I can't look after myself or do anything. May as well start behaving like that ahead of schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Gobbling yourself. Gobbling yourself by choice before you're involuntarily gobbled. I have repeatedly had the involuntary goblin try to take me. I don't know how you operate for so long. You you, you run on fumes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how either. It's coming back to the thing I was saying about, like, you can't tell your boss, like, I'm just fucked. Hmm. You have to have the break. You know, like if, if you were going to get time off work for stress or something, then you almost a need to, push, to justify it. Yeah, you yeah. almost need to push it to the point of like a point that you shouldn't have pushed it to. The reason bosses and HR and people can't just meet people in the middle of this and acknowledge this problem is that if they did, that's like acknowledging a fundamental thing with like capitalism. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So I started thinking, right? Because <laughs> my, my thought has been people are overworked 
people mm. hit a wall there's this yeah. boom and bust cycle the fact everyone's talking about goblin moan means that like because this is double burden which we talked about before right everyone yeah. has to manage a household and a job and then maybe a second job and maybe aspects of their family and mm. people get completely like trodden on it they're and monetizing always, their hobby they started to, as to rest <laughs> do you know what i mean and so if you know there's a point where you're going to hit a wall hit the wall now voluntarily and i think that's really hard because people feel there's like a moral burden on them not to do that i think there's some people who want to have a breakdown where they're like i want my body and mind to shut down Mm. so that i get to go to a hospital and rest doing it voluntarily would be willingly and willfully letting everyone down Mm. and so my solution is have a breakdown <laughs> Go to work and have a breakdown, and it's going to be hard for the first few people. Do you mean like perform the breakdown? I Is think this what you you're can saying? believe in your heart; it's real. <laughs> What your bosses need to see yeah. is for you to have a breakdown. Hot dog in each hand, carrier bag dangling from your wrist. Do you know um, in Twin Peaks: The Return where that yeah. guy gets switched out <laughs> with another Agent Cooper? Dougie is goblin mode. Dougie, no, Dougie's like Dougie, an even more advanced. Yeah, he, he's not. Dougie's not a mode, is he? Dougie's no, Dougie, Dougie all wants. Way through, yeah, right? he wants coffee. But I mean, of course, if you do like performatively show that you're mentally ill, they'll let you go on that basis as well. Though they'll just go, "Well, you're, you're, you've gone mad, so yeah. goodbye." So yeah, you can't never do this job again. Do you know what gets me right? The reason why I think goblin mode is really interesting yeah. is like the ubiquitousness of going into a toilet cubicle just to stand there. <laughs> yeah. Of just like, this is the one space yeah. when I am on my own in this building. I think a lot of people are like this. And goblin mode is the first time of like people talking quite openly about how widespread it is to like need this really dirty kind of seclusion. Need <laughs> <laughs> the cave. Yeah. There's no other. There's like absolutely no judgment. There's no one you can hurt. It's a consequenceless thing. You know, like when you find human interaction just fucking exhausting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's aspects, you know, like you were saying about lockdown of like, you, you don't want to completely, de- you know. <laughs> yes. There's not. We need to do another one of those episodes. It's like, you know, I want to see people and I want to see my friends and I want to, you know, I want to do gigs and stuff. But then there's like a, a limit. Mm. And then it's just like, you need to go, <laughs> you need to go goblin mode. I think we've, we've maybe underspoken about work from home's ability to go goblin mode. Yeah, like from a, from a teaching perspective, you know, um, there was a lot of shit about, oh, we need to reopen schools because for kids' mental health. But I think a lot of students' mental health improved in lockdown teaching because they didn't have the, the other, the eyes of everyone else at school. That is quite a lot of, you know, sort of almost coming back to emotional labor, the performance of uh, children to other children with all those hormones and the immense social pressures of it. I think. I mean, lessons where you're just in your house. In all schools, the most vulnerable children are bullied. Yes. And now you've allowed those people to escape the bullies. Not be bullied, yeah. Yeah, My bully's not in my house. My bully is mutably on a Zoom call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you can dress how you want and you can be how you want. Goblin Well, just all those things that like, obviously school is really inflexible. School is like this, the first time you go through that like horrible, horrible socialization process, I guess. And then just the workplaces and society in general is a continuation of the things that are experienced so horrifically because it's the first time you're going through it and it's so like intensified. And they can, of course, be, you know, not to diminish like cyberbullying and all the ways kids will be horrible to each other. Sure. I do think kids had more opportunity to go full goblin. 
maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. So I can't work out if the goblin ultimately is good or bad because I think I think there's I think you're right in your original proposition that there is good goblin and bad goblin. Yeah, but I don't know if good goblin is good goblin because it's relative to the bad goblin. Like in a, in a perfect world where work was flexible and meets the capacities of the person, would anyone need to goblin, or would we all be able to have a clean house and and eat healthy meals and go for walks and not have to go to pot just to make everything else work? Don't campaign for goblin mode. Campaign to abolish the necessity of goblin mode. Let's not call it good goblin, bad goblin, because that stigmatizes the bad goblin who yeah. is actually the victim. We'll do forest goblin and cave goblin. Nightclub goblin. <laughs> yeah, vodka goblin. <laughs> Is the goblin good being a weird little guy in the age of exhaustion? By Sean Morley, aged 32 and a half. When the Telegraph tried to explain goblin mode to its captive audience of offline real estate granddads, their header image was Jim Royal wearily nursing a little mug. Is Jim Royal a goblin? I'm not the gatekeeper on goblinity, but watching television with your loving family, there's warm light cascades through the net curtains. Nuh-uh, that's big normie energy to me. Jim doesn't have to be a human, though. Maybe a hobbit? Brown sauce, please. <laughs> but if you're trying to explain that antisocial, shabby seclusion, poor Diane acting weird has a new name, I think it's no surprise that the Telegraph turns its mind to the poor. We have always been goblins. The United Kingdom is a fun place where every graph charting human well-being is trending in the wrong direction. But that is just the price that we pay for every graph charting economic prosperity also be tracking in the wrong direction. Our most common workplace-related illness is that your job is boiling your brain until you can't process emotions anymore. And the consistent leading cause is workload until more recently it was pipped at the post by the pandemic which also increased our workloads around half employees who work from home increased their work week by 25 percent even pre-pando uk workers have been under more pressure than they have been for around 30 years people are working harder being paid less as the prices of basic commodities and fuel rises all for that sweet sweet reward of one of the lowest productivity rates in Western Europe. When I see the description of goblin mode as a state of nocturnal, dirty seclusion, I don't think about passively resisting society's mores by reveling in being unkempt and obsessive hobbies. I think about my life as an autistic adult, working out how to avoid goblinization. My brain responds to overwhelm with an increasingly sensitive kill switch, balancing on a knife edge to work only hard enough to reach my limit and hope literally nothing happens beyond that outside of my control to tow my brain over the line and off the edge of a canyon. Only about a fifth of autistic people are in employment, so our relationship to exhaustion and overwhelm ensure we're usually the first people to go. A canary in the coal mine for an increasingly inflexible and overbearing workplace culture. With some serious ill health due to overwork in my very recent past, I realised the problem is not a practical matter of finding more time. It is the problem of wanting to rest. 
My value system has enmeshed work and effort and production with my own value as a person. So to do nothing is just to think about work. I value this more than I value my health. To look at the clouds is to think about my deadlines. To turn down opportunities for work is to think about my bank account. To rest is to fret. So it is more relaxing to keep working. After all, I don't want to be the bad goblin. I want to be the good goblin. The other goblin. The forbidden goblin. The goblin embodied by pictures of animals, jowls flailing, distended monochrome pupils glowing in the lens flare of a camera flash, speeding towards unguarded processed meat. A seagull ripping the hot dog from an infant's weak grip. A dog galloping towards a stranger's pork chop. Saliva glistening in the ethereal dusk. This is pure goblin. The revolution will not come through the front door, but from weird little guys scuttling through the vents. Hello, is that Rachel? Yes, yeah, speaking. Hiya, it's Randy from the office. Hi. How are you doing? So I'm just looking for the sick again. Yeah, yeah, just, I needed a mental health day, to be honest, so. We, I mean, as as I've sort of told you, you know, it's been quite a couple of hard months, so... Yeah, well, I, I understand that, but this is, uh, this is, I think it's your third, sick day in the past, uh, the past three or four months, to be honest, right? That's it's a not joke. not really something that we can... Well, that's a joke. Just, you that's, know, like, You know, if I'm ill, I'm ill, and you can't really... It doesn't matter how many sick days I need for that. Like, I can be ill well, if I need to. Yeah, but that's that's not my responsibility. If I'm ill, then I'm ill, it's, and it's up to you, you to work really out. Sound like you're Ill. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, Rachel. You don't really sound like you're Ill. Oh my God. Um, and, and this is uh, this a few times now, and we do need people to show up to work. Do you think anyone's like has a hankering for ham? No one wants ham. No one wants ham. No nice pork existed uh-huh. and people were like i bet i can undercut that in some way yeah <laughs> that's got to be produced cheaper somehow and ham <laughs> ham is the it's like the byproduct of mankind's greed yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. can't put a joint of gammon in a sandwich you know well you, you can you can yeah i suppose you could you could yeah, put a, could. a sandwich yeah, at the top yeah, of a house and a, you could yeah, then yeah, climb under the foundations and yeah. put another slice of bread there and you say, I've made a house sandwich. And it's yeah, like, exactly. yes, in a very technical yeah. sense, you have. In a very just put the bread sense, either side of a pig. Cut out all the middlemen. Yeah, yeah. Cut out the middlemen. Keep the middle pig. <laughs> put the pig in the middle. <laughs> my, Piggy in the middle. One of my uh, mate's mum did that thing where they th- she thought she'd bought a micro pig, but it was actually just a full oh, hog. Wow. Yeah, well, it, is, it was a... It was a it was a piglet, and then it yes. became a full pig. It went from micro to macro. Have you ever hung out with a pig? I've been to farms. Oh, I don't mm. know at what point I'm hanging out with a pig. 
A pig yeah, was yeah, always yeah. someone's property. It was never an independent <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've hung out with a truly free pig. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, I, I could tell you now I never have because I've yeah. never been in a situation where if I wanted to do something and the pig wanted to do something else, I'd feel conflicted. Yeah, you wouldn't It was know. always like... Well, I'm obviously going to do my thing and the pig's coming. <laughs> the <laughs> pig's that, with me. That happens with just people a lot as well. Yeah, sometimes mm. you're in a friendship group and it's like, we know if this person wants X and this person wants yeah. Y. Someone's going to be the pig. And after all, that person knows they're the pig mm. and they stop voicing their opinions. The oink turns to silence. But they had to put um, child gate things everywhere. Mm. And then oh, but, yeah, a pig could destroy one of those. Well, it, I think if it had the will, but they don't, I think... Um, the pig would have to will. It, yeah, if it wanted to, but it would have to be like in rage mode. Yeah, that's what a thousand yeah. years of domestication will do yeah, to your desire yeah, yeah. to break free. <laughs> yeah, it's like an absolutely massive pig. I'd prefer a pig to a dog. You'd prefer a pig? Yeah. All right, How, Why? I think a pig could be my intellectual equal. Ex please explain. Pigs are very clever. Yeah. Dogs, I'm sorry to say, they're not. They're not clever. <laughs> they're, they can be warm, empathetic. They know pride, beauty, shame. They're very stupid. They're not smart. But a pig, I couldn't be friends with a dog. I could own a dog and have a wonderful time mm, as mm. a loyal companion. Mm. But it would always be like... I'm calling the shots. I don't trust your judgment. But pig's judgment you would trust. To a degree. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously, I'd put some limits on that. There must be a spectrum. <laughs> like Everson, there must be a spectrum of smartness within the, the hog realm. Because like a collie sheepdog is smarter than like a dachshund. Trained dogs aren't smarter. You can't train someone to have more thoughts. Well, no, more yeah, obedient. Yeah, learning. They've learned. No, no. I mean, I don't mean trained as more obedient. I mean, they've learned more skills. Have you ever, like, worked with a sheepdog? I think uh, this is why intelligence is such an unwieldy word, right? I'm yeah, not yeah. talking about skills. Yeah. I'm talking about the raw materials for correct thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think a yeah, pig... Yeah, it's a dubious concept. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, a human being, even if you've given them no skills mm. and they've never even met someone, right, they're fully feral and they've grown up in the moors. It's the capacity to learn the skills rather than the exactly. skills themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even Mowgli from The Jungle Book yeah. eventually could be taught how to use Google Chrome. <laughs> right? Even yeah. after he's 30 years old. This is Google Chrome. Huh? Huh? Is this a kind of fruit? Yeah. No, no, sorry. Let's start more basic. And then a month later, yeah, be on they've it. got bookmarks. They've organised yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. They know how to pin a tab. So yeah, they've got too many bookmarks. Yeah, they're 170 it's become unwieldy. Everyone goes through that phase, you know. Everyone's on the journey with yeah. Chrome. No one's Chrome journey is finished just yet. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, with a sparrow or whatever, yeah. a snake, a worm, a, a, a grub, yeah. they're not even going to be able to turn on the computer. <laughs> Well, you could train it to land on the on key, yeah, but I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can, you, can, you can get a little eagle to alight upon the on key. Mm -hmm. But that's the difference between humans and animals. But that's also a difference in my mind between a pig and a dog. But they're much closer together. It's not as big a gap, but it's the same kind of uh, yeah, distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think pig and dog are probably a lot closer to each other than uh, you, you and a bird. Yeah. I don't know which bird. <laughs> which bird? Huh? I think a lot of crows are smarter than me. Yeah. Like innately. Mm, yeah. With a different kind of intelligence, though. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, you're saying I'm sm are you saying I'm stupid because I can't get on Google Chrome? Jack, can you just spot if there's a rabbit on the other side of that mountain? Oh, you can't, can yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. You're talking down to me. I know where there's a beetle a mile down the road. 
They can solve puzzles and stuff, crows. Yeah. I reckon a crow could probably, if you trained it how to use Nintendo DS, could like complete Professor Layton. I do not believe any bird could do the Towers of Hanoi. <laughs> I think a crow could. I'm honestly, I'll put up a cash prize. <laughs> <laughs> a crow doesn't want cash. What does a crow want? Twigs? Yeah, well, this is, this is my uh, point I'm circulating around. <laughs> Which is that animals are smarter than us because they just know that doing nothing is great. Mm. I don't think a dog or a pig or a crow is like, I should be uh, be more productive. I don't think they ever have that thought. Got to get more They done. have escaped the curse of uh, Puritans and internalised capitalism. Do you think because Puritans based it all on the behaviour of, of ants and grasshoppers? Oh, yeah. Isn't there? The, oh, it's an Aesop's fable, right? Of the yeah, ant yeah, and the yeah. grasshopper. Yeah. So they thought they could find Puritanism in the dis- different behaviours of animals that prepare for the winter versus animals that just stand still looking at the middle distance, which is, in my experience, 99% of them. Animals will sort themselves out, mate. The notion of the preparing animal and the unprepared animal, this is bullshit. This is the projecting human... Yeah, yeah, animal. it's projecting human bullshit onto the animals. This is this is not nature, and no, but nor is it our nature. The, the, uh, it is a social construct that we have internalised. You look at a dog lying down... It's having a great time. We need to get back to that. I'm not suggesting we were once dogs. This is not a pro theory podcast. I'm almost with you, but there's there's like one bit of me that resists. Yeah. And it's the bit that wants surplus, surplus grain in the warehouse. I want surplus grain in the warehouse in case it's a hard winter. Yeah, yeah. We'll get enough food. Don't worry. We don't want to intentionally die. <laughs> I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying we do a suicide <laughs> pact. I'm just saying if we just only... You know, we're just like, I, think you I can live have, by picking the fruit can... off the trees and then there's no fruit on the tree and then I go, oh, I'll, I'll die. No, what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that perhaps okay. it's better to uh, not <laughs> constantly feel like you need to be hustling and in competition mm. with other people and your past self uh, to constantly know more or be more. I think that is an unhealthy thing. One thing I will say, and, and I don't think you can like put tribal societies on a pedestal like they haven't also undergone development. And like, also like they're all one thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I know where you're coming but, from. Um, but I do find it interesting. And there are credible anthropologists who have written saying these do seem in many ways to be the remnants of what was once a dominant way of organising people into a group. And um, I think there was a cross-study done hmm. going, what are, these, what, what are people in tribal societies do in their spare time and uh, there's a much larger incidence of nothing yeah a much larger incidence of you know oh what are you doing there oh nothing i'm just looking around but also the other people in that community aren't going to be going saying what's she doing what's she oh. doing nothing for what's she fucking doing nothing for lazy fucking what's that yeah that's out of order there's not going to be that they're not going to guilt trip her for sitting down chilling for two hours the social construction of the idea of laziness. Yeah. Because when people appear to be lazy, but in a way that like works against their interests, mm. it's like, oh, you didn't do this thing, even though you were going to receive like a bad punishment, or mm. it just means you haven't got enough money and then a bad thing happens to you. Even though you could have worked harder in some way and yet you didn't, mm. <laughs> that as a moral failing on the individual, it sounds like Victorian and puritanical, but like... Mm. We all, we all think and use the word laziness. And I'm not sure what, like, if there is a real laziness that exists in the world, maybe there's a kind of selfishness where you know someone has time and energy resources to use on something and they choose not to out of spite or ignorance. But a vast majority of what laziness refers to is, like, 
people, for whatever reason, not feeling resourced enough to do things that would help themselves. And on top of not getting those resources, they also get monstered. Absolutely monstered. Because like if anyone's on welfare and someone like walking past looking through the window goes, I can't visibly see why you couldn't drive a forklift. It's not obvious to me why you're not in a forklift right now. They not only have to survive on like the pittance of welfare, but also they're like hated by people for not bettering their circumstances. The demonization of laziness and worship of hard work are two sides of the same coin, a coin too big and heavy to carry around and use as currency, but it fits perfectly into this slot labelled ruling class propaganda. Of course the Telegraph uses goblin mode as an excuse to kick the working class. It's a symptom of this same disease, the baseline social Darwinism that lurks under the survival of the fittest workers versus shirkers divide. In the 19th century, before they cooked up the intellectual sludge behind the Holocaust, social Darwinists racialized the working class. Ruling class Englishmen like Francis Galton wrote about the inferior races of Cockneys and Scots, drawing diagrams of their apparently unique skull shapes. The disdain the ruling class and their bootlicking sycophants have for the working class isn't just patronizing, it's dehumanizing. When it's implied people rely on food banks because they don't know how to cook, the implication is that people are thick and lazy and therefore deserve to starve. On this episode of Panorama, we visit three families from Warrington attempting to cook for the first time. I've been punching this potato for 20 minutes and it's still not chips. That night Mum got home from work and made us dinner of two AAA batteries out of the telly remote. The telly is now stuck on QVC and Dad is fuming. Yeah, I just think it's about choice. You know, I could have my personal chef email these families a recipe for a pan of joyless grey slime that will cost 13 pence a serving and that could be eaten cold, so there's not even any gas cost. This toxic bullshit is so deep-rooted in the British national psyche that it's not confined to far-right reactionaries. William Beveridge, the liberal architect of the post-war welfare state, wrote, Those men who through general defects are unable to fill such a whole place in industry are to be recognised as unemployable. They must become the acknowledged dependents of the state, but with complete and permanent loss of all citizen rights, including not only the vote, but the ability to have children. The last Labour government that was in power ran ad campaigns not only designed to terrify benefits cheats, but to reinforce to the public the idea of the lazy, undeserving, inhuman poor. If we think you're a benefit cheat, we can follow your movements. The common challenge to such thinking is to point out how much more money is lost to corporate tax evasion compared to individual benefits cheats. But that's kind of accepting our enemy's frame. The money big business gets legally from our current system is exploitation on a massive scale and a number far greater than tax evasion. Corporate profits come from our work and taxing a little tiny bit of that to get it back is frankly quite a limited ambition. What the benefits cheat is being demonized for is getting money for nothing for being lazy. This cannot be tolerated. They should be bloody working. On the other hand, the entire basis of our economy is that owning frees you from work because you can parasite off the work of others. Own where people live or own where people work, then you can be as lazy as you want and be rewarded and venerated for it. I want to see a state-funded advert in the middle of Coronation Street with a big Mr. on ring surrounding a hedge fund manager saying, If you profit from the labour of others, we're coming for you. 
We should never feel guilty for being lazy. Whilst their propaganda says otherwise, our ruling class certainly don't. Laziness is a virtue, goblin mode simply its most potent contemporary expression, an instinct we have to keep us sane and keep us alive, a personal rebellion against the workaholic culture of our hell economy. I'm not saying each crunch of a Dorito and each day without a shower is a revolutionary act, but what I am saying is that until the revolution, we shouldn't feel bad about it.
Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean with additional music by Jack Lewis Evans and Sean Morley. The musical finale you just heard was A Gemstone's Gleam, provided by M. Tate, and we've put a link to his bandcamp in the show description. Thank you for listening to Mandos, and thanks so much to those who support our work by sharing this episode on social media, as well as those of you who support our work at patreon.com forward slash mandatory redistribution party. We genuinely appreciate it. Farewell, my goblin friends. Farewell. Farewell.